0: It's Drake, Drake, 30, 20. Drake got a tackle. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Finnit to win it, I am your host, Kyle Krabs, lead editor of USA Today's DolphinsWire.com, and also NFL draft analyst for the But today, I am your host on this inaugural journey that is the fin It to Win It podcast. This is a very exciting time for me personally, uh, been a Dolphins fan essentially my entire life and uh, got my, my start in football media working in the draft side of things because this cursed franchise was out of contention by October every single year in my impressionable years. So it was always, okay, how can I find a player that I can root for Miami to take that's going to get them over the hump and help them beat those damn Patriots? And uh, never really manifested that way, with the exception of 2008, a season that holds... A very, very special place in my heart, but uh, one of the things that I want to do today is I want to talk about uh, the current state of the Dolphins. I want to talk about uh, who I am, why fin it to win it is something that you guys want to uh, experience and, and listen in on a weekly basis. I'm going to be doing one of these once a week, courtesy of Blue Wire Pods, which I am very, very excited to be able to add to my resume and get to interact with Dolphins fans on a whole new level, a level that I have not done before. So uh, with that in mind, um, I've been a Dolphins fan since probably the end of Marino. Some of the highlights of my Dolphins uh, fanhood include uh, going to Canton, Ohio, and seeing Dan get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, I was in Canton the last time the Dolphins played in the Hall of Fame game against the Dallas Cowboys not too long ago, and uh, man, that that New York Jets game week 17 in 2008 is probably my favorite game of my adult life. You know, I was born in 1989, my first football memories really kind of stem from 98, 99, so it's been a rough go, and I unfortunately have not been smart enough to get off the bus yet, so... (laughs) We're still here to spin off the Patriots slogan. Uh, We're still here. We're not going anywhere. And we are going to be here through the entire course of this quote-unquote process that uh, Chris Greer and Brian Flores have embarked this team on in hopes of building a legitimate program instead of just slapping Band-Aids on stuff like we've done in the past. And it'll be an interesting departure. I think it'll test a lot of our patience. But at the same time, it's something different. And I think that's a really important thing for Dolphins fans to remember is that this is not the same old, same old. So when Antonio Brown is being shopped, the Dolphins initially are tabbed as favorites or one of the favorites by Vegas. This is not that team anymore. I think we're going to see a drastic philosophical shift in the way the Dolphins have conducted business. Uh, for the the past ten years since Stephen bought, Ross has bought the team, and even before that, and uh, what we're going to experience now, and um, I'm looking forward to that process kind of manifesting itself. I'm also a Philadelphia Seventy Sixers fan, so trust me, guys, I know all about the process. And Miami is on a process right now, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to uh, attend the NFL Combine this past week and. It's kind of the holdup here as I've been getting ready to start Finnett to win it. Uh, we targeted after the NFL Combine in hopes of getting some good nuggets from things from Brian Flores' press conference in Indianapolis, uh, Chris Greer's media availability. But these guys are turning this team into Patriot South, where you know, Brian takes the podium and doesn't really dish on a whole lot of stuff. You know, the, the media is kind of bobbing and weaving him, with, trying to get a feel for, you know, how can we ask him questions that's going to facilitate an answer that we want? And uh, Brian, he's, he's got his cliches that he likes to go back to. And, and I don't think it's fake. I don't think it's inauthentic. But I was going into this media session hoping, okay, like, we'll get a little bit of clarity. Like, what is Brian like in a corner? What is Brian like in a defensive end, a defensive tackle? You know what kind of offense do we want to run here? And it was we want multiple, we want smart football players, we want passionate team first football players, the culture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a, a again in itself, a departure. Miami has typically been a team that has brought upon themselves bigger personalities. And uh, guys get put into Miami, and it seems like that really gets amplified and not anymore. And I think that in itself is a healthy change. But at the same time, it doesn't make for good radio or good podcasting. So we're not going to have the opportunity to talk about much that Brian Flores said. I will say this. uh, The one interesting nugget, he did give us one thing. They were asking him specifically about the quarterback. And they said, what are some traits that are important to you in a franchise quarterback, and everybody knows the Dolphins are are vetting their options here, whether that's a short-term bridge quarterback with or without a 2019 investment in an early-round first-round quarterback. Maybe that turns into a mid-round quarterback, and they look at Tua Viola or uh, Justin Herbert or somebody else from 2020. We can all keep our fingers crossed for Trevor Lawrence in 2021, but I don't know how the Dolphins are that bad that long. Maybe we get lucky. Maybe we get aggressive and we trade some draft capital. I don't know. But um, vetting through that quarterback position, Brian gave us two traits and qualities that he likes and wants to see in a quarterback. Finally, my ears perked up. I said, okay, Brian, let's let's hear what you got. He said, mobility and accuracy are two qualities that are must-haves and really nice-to-haves when you're looking for a franchise quarterback. So I think that's something that we should bear in mind. And there's different kinds of mobilities, right? Like you can be a Josh Allen scrambler. You can be a Lamar Jackson scrambler. You can be Baker Mayfield-type mobile. These, different, these guys all have different kinds of running styles and qualities, but they're not statues within the pocket. So I think you take a couple of those qualities, and I think as much as I would love to see Miami go out and trade a day-two pick or offer a day-two pick even, not to say that the Cardinals would take it, but try and get Josh Rosen, right? Josh Rosen in Arizona, there's all these rumors right now about Kyler Murray and how they think Arizona's interested, but I really don't think they are interested. Um, Miami offering their second round pick to the Arizona Cardinals for Josh Rosen makes a ton, a ton of sense for the Miami Dolphins organization because it's a mitigated financial risk. It's a mitigated uh, draft capital risk. And Rosen now is on a shorter timetable where he's three years and then a fourth year team option versus four years and a a fifth year team option. So, you would get an opportunity with Josh Rosen over the course of the next two seasons to really get a vibe for, is this a player that can develop into what so many people thought he could be based on his physical talents, or is he not? But then you get back to culture, and Rosen is a player that's kind of perceived as being a bad locker room guy. I don't I don't necessarily know if that's... Legitimate or not, but I know he does have a personality that can rub some people the wrong way, and uh, with the, the news and the perception that if the Dolphins had Josh Rosen and Minka Fitzpatrick both on the clock for the 2018 NFL Draft, they still would have taken Minka Fitzpatrick. I think those things kind of play against the likelihood that we see the Dolphins do that. Like to change gears here, talk about some news from yesterday. Uh, the Dolphins have tendered the following exclusive rights, restricted free agents. So these guys have been slapped with tenders. They are coming back to the Dolphins for 2019. Offensive guard, Isaac Asiata. Offensive lineman, Jesse Davis. Offensive tackles, Zach Sterup And defensive end, Jonathan Waterd. Uh, I've got high hopes for Isaac Asiata. Asiata was a guy that I like coming out of Utah. But he has not been able to manifest any production or any skills on the field whatsoever to this point. That's especially concerning when you consider the fact that Adam Gase simply decided to just look the other way as far as depth for the offensive guard positions. uh, They did make some half-hearted attempts to bring in band-aids and slap them on top of those offensive guard positions. But by and large, guard play has been a big, big bugaboo for the Miami Dolphins for a really long time now. And, um, if Asiata can't, once the injury settled in, get play for Adam Gase's Dolphins, I'm greatly concerned that this may be a lost cause, even though this guy was a fifth-round pick. So it's not even like he was a very high investment, but he was somebody that I had valued higher than where the Dolphins took him and hoped that he would turn into a steal. Hasn't materialized that way. Um I would be so bold as to say that probably one of these guys at the absolute best starts one football game for the Dolphins next year. Uh, I think you'll get some rotational guys. Jesse Davis has some playing experience, can be a depth piece. Please, God, don't let him into the lineup. Woodard has potential with the thinning Dolphins uh, defensive end room to get into the rotation and be a rotational player. Should not be starting, though. Asiata potentially making a play for guard, but he's a long way from that as well. So Dolphin's making some minor moves in preparations for the start of the free agency window, which takes place uh, a week from yesterday on Wednesday the 13th. Uh, the free agency window opens up at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Before we continue any further with this inaugural episode of fin It to Win It, I'd like to take a brief moment and recognize today's sponsor of the show, Ethos Life Insurance. Life can be stressful. Beginning life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can be rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. Go to GetEthos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. GetEthos.com. Moving on, there's two more things I want to do today in this pre-free agency episode of Finnick to Win. And I want to talk about the Dolphins' current free agents getting ready to hit the open market. And I want to talk about some potential targets for the Dolphins in free agency that makes sense based on the team's current situation. So as you look over this team's current free agents, you have a lot of defensive ends sitting here at the top. You got Cameron Wake. Andre Branch, William Hayes. Branch has been cut, so you know he's not coming back. Right tackle, Juwan James. Linebacker, Stephon Anthony. Running back, Frank Gore. Evander Hood, Marquise Gray. Sam Young, Brock Osweiler, David Fales, Brandon Bolden, Travis Swanson. As you work your way down the list, there's really not... There's three names that stand out as names that puts Miami really in a bind, and one of them is strictly from nostalgia stake. I'm I'm talking, of course, about Cameron Wake. Uh, Wake's average or Wake's salary in 2018 was just over $8 million. Wake's 37 years old. Would we not like to see Cameron Wake go somewhere, find success, and potentially win a Super Bowl? Let's just be honest with ourselves. It's not going to happen in Miami as much as we would like it to. As much as we love Cameron Wake, can you justify bringing the man back in 2019 at 37 years old and probably paying him a pretty penny to do so? cap's not going to be a problem for the Dolphins. They're going to be cutting and stripping a bunch of dead weight. We're getting rid of Ryan Tannehill's albatross of a contract. There's going to be a lot of dead cap this year, but there's going to be a lot of cap space. Cameron Wake's there for the signing if the Dolphins want him. It, it is a true moral dilemma because I want Cameron to have success. Cameron deserves nothing but the best. Cameron can go be a difference maker on a playoff contender and potentially help a team win a Super Bowl. But damn it, if I don't want to see this guy get 100 sacks with the Dolphins. He's a 98. The dude is such an incredible story. Came into the league 10 years ago. Uh, went to Canada, had to to hone his craft as a pass rusher in Canada. He's been the catalyst of so many great memories for me in the last decade of being a Dolphins fan. I selfishly want the Dolphins to bring him back, provided financially it makes sense. Cameron's a rotational pass rusher at this point. I know he played well against the run, but you can't expect to play Cameron Wake on the vast majority of your downs at this point as a 37-year-old speed rusher. He's an ageless wanderer, uh, but that—that that is the difficult decision for the Dolphins based more on the nostalgia fact than the X's and O's components of it. Uh, Jawan James, the big fish as far as the Dolphins are concerned, and the Dolphins have always been a team that seems to draft talent and then let that talent go somewhere else, and, and that can be for better or for worse. In the sake of James... I think the Dolphins really have to put their foot in the ground and dictate and say, this is what we think you're worth. I am all for drafting good players, paying good players, and retaining your drafted talent. It's an important piece of successful team building. You can't just draft talent and then be a pipeline for everybody else. You have to retain your own talent. You have to pay your own talent. But if Juwan James is going to be commanding Anywhere near what Donovan Smith from Tampa Bay just got in free agency, which was three years, $41 million, $27 million of that fully guaranteed money. Juwan James is not that good of a football player. So you have to retain your talent, but you can't overspend to do it. I think the most comparable situation to what the Dolphins are facing now with Juwan James was the situation that they faced with Olivier Vernon a couple of years ago. Olivier came in and really developed into a nice all-around defensive end for the Miami Dolphins as the second defensive end opposite of Cameron Wake. 2016, rolls around, it's time to pay Olivier. They put him on the transition tag, and then they pull the tag because it's just clear that the market that that Vernon was going to dictate in the open market when negotiating, the Dolphins weren't going to get any piece of the pie. So here's here's the silver lining. The Dolphins can let Juwan James go sign a monster contract somewhere else, a contract that he really honestly has no business signing based on his quality of play on the field. But that big money contract paired with Miami not being a big player in free agency as far as big money contracts, is going to open the door for the Dolphins to get an early draft selection next year as a comp pick. Juwan James's mega contract may net this team a third-round pick next year as a compensatory pick for the Dolphins' losses in free agency. This is a game the Patriots have played a really long time. They will trade for players, have them play one year, and then let the contract expire so they get the comp picks. And half the time, the comp pick that they get is greater than the, the pick that they gave away to get the player in the first place. The manipulation of the system is here for the Dolphins. With Juwan James and even Cameron Wake. It's not necessarily something that we talked about, but depending on the financials of a Cameron Wake contract elsewhere, if he does go and he does get in a bidding war, the Dolphins have an opportunity to add multiple middle round draft selections to help boost this team's rebuild. So, as hard as it is to say, yay, yeah, we're going to let Juwan James, 27 years old, physical prime of his career, at the end of his rookie contract, walk. I don't think you could pay this guy more than $10 million a year average salary. He just is not that high caliber of a football player. But if he hits the open market, it is game over. He's going to get offered that. So now the Dolphins need to say, okay, well, we've got the space. We might as well pay him and front load the deal. Or this is what we think you're worth. And if you don't want to sign it, then best of luck to you somewhere else. And the Dolphins can then use that cap and sign guys like, Xavier Howard, who they've begun their negotiations with, according to the news that came out at the NFL Combine. The third name that stands out to me is Frank Gore. I think Frank Gore's back next year, and the reason why I think Frank Gore's back next year is because Frank Gore is a hashtag culture guy. He's a culture dude. One of the hardest-working players in the league. Another ageless wonder. Uh, He had his best yards per carry in like five years last year behind that Dolphins offensive line. Was supposed to come in and just be a veteran presence in the locker room. Ended up taking the lion's share of the carries until he got hurt. Uh, Frank Gore, Miami native. Went to college at the U. Had a very successful career, but always wanted to come back to Miami. He's here now. The Dolphins paid him just over a million dollars last year in a one-year deal. The financial implications of bringing Frank Gore back are non-existent. And I don't know what the downside is unless you're afraid he's going to poach carries from Kenyon Drake and Kalen Balaj. But that comes down to coaching. And that was one of the big bugaboos of Adam Gase in general was not knowing how to best utilize his talent. So I saved the best for last year. Uh, I've got the full list of free agents sorted by annual average value of their contract that culminated in the 2018 season. These are guys that are on the market, whether they've been cut by their current teams, uh, whether they are expiring contracts. And we're just going to go rapid fire down the list, and we're going to talk about why some of these guys either do or don't make sense for the Dolphins. The most expensive contract last year was a franchise tag player, Ziggy Ansah of the Detroit Lions, 30 years old. That franchise tag was $17 million. No. Miami's not going to be in the market for a guy that's looking for a big payday. Who's been up and down any of these featured pass rushers that are out there on the market um, with the exception of potentially one. And we'll get to him in just a little bit. Dolphins probably not going to be in play for Tyrod Taylor expiring contract for the Cleveland Browns. This one's interesting because I could see the dolphins making a play for a bridge quarterback. The problem with Tyrod is Tyrod And I'm calling him Tyrod. I don't care. Tyrod, Tyrod. You're Tyrod Taylor. You've been Tyrod Taylor for 10 years, bud. I'm calling you Tyrod. The problem with Tyrod is he doesn't turn the ball over. So if you're really legitimately looking to make a play for an early 2020 draft pick, Tyrod's probably not going to have enough variance to his game. He's going to be pretty vanilla. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be boring. So he's not going to be fun to watch. And your team's probably going to win six games. If Miami's dead serious, you can win six games and give up a bunch of draft capital and move up. Or you can just suck. It's part of the process. So I don't think Taylor's the quarterback for Miami, but I would not be surprised. And Dominic Hinsue, huh? no, get out of here. Uh, Demarius Thomas, with the Houston Texans, also no. Big money contract, and if there's one area that I don't think the Dolphins are going to make a lot of play with the exception of the draft... It's the wide receiver position. Clay Matthews, 33 years old. Rush linebacker, Green Bay Packers. Doesn't really make a lot of sense as far as an aging veteran that's going to be perceived to still have something left in the tank. He's a big money guy. I don't think so. So as I look down the rest of this list, guys that aver- that had more than $10 million in salary last year. Jamie Collins, who was just cut by the Browns. Timmy Jernigan, LaMarcus Joyner. Corey Legit. Randall Cobb, Earl Thomas, Josh McCown, and that's it. I could see McCown being a logical signing for the Dolphins as a bridge guy. Pro style, if they, especially if they go out and they get a rookie quarterback this year. Kind of that veteran presence, that locker room guy. The dude's 40 years old, right? Like, And he got paid $10 million last year. That's a bargain for a veteran quarterback. If I had to pick one other one along the way, you're going to twist my arm. I'm not going to pick one. These guys are too expensive for what the Dolphins are looking to do. Uh, A couple wide receivers down the list a little further down. um, Dante Moncrief and Pierre Garçon. Moncrief's interesting, but I think he's probably going to be too expensive for the Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins are going to be cutting Devontae Parker loose. Moncrief, kind of another big-bodied underachiever. Uh, if you can get his salary that he was paid last year at $9.6 million cut in half, then we're talking. But, I mean, Miami's going to have to be really, really economical with free agent signings the rest of the way uh, because they want to establish that cap space. They want veteran guys who are at the end of the road that can provide leadership for this team. And I would expect the rest of their free agent plays are economic bargains and young guys that busted out that are on their last legs looking to prove they could still play in the pros. So if you start looking for guys like that that qualify either way, Cameron Wake's one that stands out. Uh, Dwayne Allen, tight end from the New England Patriots, uh, spent some time with the Colts. There's familiarity here with this staff. Allen's really regressed to being just a blocking tight end and a guy that... uh, has experience, and the Dolphins tight end room does not have a lot of that, with Durham Smythe and Mike Kisecki, uh Nick O'Leary, those three being the guys right now. I think an experienced veteran that this coaching staff has some familiarity with, and Dwayne Allen, is one that makes a lot of sense for the Miami Dolphins. Continuing to work our way down the list, uh, you got some guys that are retiring or keep thinking about retiring and Thomas Davis, who was cut by the Carolina Panthers, Glover Quinn, who was cut by the Lions. Both those guys are either retiring in Davis's case or considering retirement. You have a hard time. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, potentially. Teddy's going to get paid, though. So if you're going to pay a quarterback and you're going to draft a quarterback, I think Teddy's a little redundant because Teddy's still young, right? Like, Teddy got hurt in Minnesota, and then he got went to New York once he came back, and then he got traded for a mid-round pick to the New Orleans Saints. So uh, he's probably going to get the heaviest look as potentially being a guy that's given a chance to start, uh, aside of Nick Foles, of course. Nick Foles on the market. And, and people keep trying to tie Nick Foles to the Dolphins, That doesn't feel like the move, right? Because Nick Foles is 30 years old. Nick Foles has not had a lot of success outside of Philadelphia in either of his two stints in Philadelphia. And uh, Nick Foles at one point was so unenthralled with his football experience outside of Philadelphia that he was thinking about retirement. So I don't think that one makes sense. There is another tight end down here that pops to me, and it's Tyler Eifert. Would it not be great to have Tyler Eifert in the Dolphins tight end room teaching Mike Gusecki how to use the skills and qualities that he has as a football player. That one makes a lot of sense. Eifert, last year's salary of $5.5 million. Uh, The dude's been injured nonstop. If there's going to be an opportunity to target a guy, that may be it. Once we get down into this portion of the free agents list, these are guys that were making approximately $5 million or less last year. There are some veterans that start making some sense. And there's also some young guys that have busted out that start making some sense as well. I'm looking at James Carpenter, the guard for the Jets, 30 years old, under a $5 million salary. Guard's been a problem for the Dolphins. They need depth. They need depth. They need talent. They need youth. Carpenter can provide some depth. He can provide some experience, and he's not going to come at a super high rate. I look at Kevin White, wide receiver from the Chicago Bears, this guy on an incentive-based deal, another guy that's battled injuries his entire career, but it's a low-risk signing when you consider and add in the fact that, hey, you know, Kevin White, you got nothing to lose. You know, you give this guy a, a minimum salary with some incentive-based stuff for, for snaps and games played, and you you see if you can tap into some of that potential that made him a top-10 pick way back in the day. If you want some... Flexibility up front with your defensive line group. Uh, Benny Logan is a defensive tackle from the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee runs a lot of odd stuff. Uh, Another coach there in Mike Vrabel that's off of this Bill Belichick tree. Uh, That's a player that could make some sense because there's some familiarity there as well. Uh, Chris Hogan, I can't imagine them making a play for a guy like Chris Hogan. They've got a ton of speed and shifty slot guys already on this roster How about Ryan Fitzpatrick? You want to talk about bridge quarterbacks? This guy's salary was $3.3 million last year. Fitzpatrick's 36 years old, so you know he's not a long-term answer. But you know what? He'd be fun. He'd be fun as hell to watch play. No question in my mind. And then the last name that I want to bring to the table is Trey Flowers. Because Trey is the exception to the rule for the Dolphins. He's young. He's going to be expensive, but there's a lot of familiarity with the staff. So if the Dolphins make a run at Trey Flowers, I will understand why. But much like Juwan James, you cannot go out and give this guy whatever it takes to bring him into the program. Because there's murmurs and rumblings that this, this is going to require seven, 14 to $17 million dollars to bring Trey Flowers on your football team. In large part because we saw every other premier pass rusher get slapped with the franchise tag, So that hurts the Dolphins. As far as taking these talents off the board and now all these teams have all this money and if they need a pass rusher, Trey Flowers is the one that the eyes go to. Maybe the Dolphins can play the familiarity that they have with Flowers to their advantage. But you should be excited about this move if it's on the lower end of that scale. $12 $12 to $14 million a year as the average? You get above that, now it's time to start being concerned. Because that feels like a misappropriation of funds, especially considering we're trying to establish a sizable amount of salary cap going forward in the future so we can sign guys like Xavier Howard, Laramie Tunsell, and have plenty of room when the time is right to re-sign the talent that's drafted this team in addition to bringing in, via trade or via free agency, some key veterans. Hope you guys enjoyed this primer. By the time we talk next week, the Dolphins are going to have signed some new football players. So we'll get into those guys. We'll talk about their fits with the team. We'll talk about uh, the direction that we're seeing the league go relative to the Dolphins. What clues we may get from free agency on what the Dolphins will be doing next. Kyle Krabs of the Dolphins Wire from USA Today and the Draft Network. Come back and see us again. Hit subscribe on Fin It to Win It. This is a once a week pod. Look forward to talking to you guys next week.